Hello and welcome to Couples Book Club, episode number three, where we read Anne Rule's The Stranger Beside Me. Do you read the subtitle or no? The Shocking Inside Story of a Serial Killer. Ted Bundy? Yeah, Ted Bundy. Yes. It says more stuff? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's part of the official title, I just feel like it's helpful. Yeah. It is. It's about Ted Bundy. I mean, people will know what it's about in a couple minutes, but yeah, just a they heads will. Up. Um, this was an exciting read. Yeah, this is the first one I think I've actually looked forward to slash enjoyed reading. Yeah, no, the first two were basically hate reads. So, uh, yeah. Well, Mein Kampf is like a hateful book, and Fifty Shades of Grey is just awful. So I hated it's, myself it's hateful. for reading it. Yeah, it was like well more than usual, but it was an enjoy. <laughs> it was an enjoyable. Hatred, maybe sometimes, sort of. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. But we recovered from yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey, and uh, now we read some motherfucking true crime. I don't know. Should we give a synopsis? Sure. I feel like well, people are familiar with Bundy in general, but we can talk about her tie-in, I guess. Yeah. So Anne Rule is like kind of the godmother of American true crime, I guess. Pro- prolific true crime author. But as, this... As I noticed when I looked up, like, 30 book lots on eBay. Yeah. But um, this was, like, her first book. Um, before that, she was writing, like, articles and stuff. And um, she was already... She already had a contract to write about the cases of the women missing in the Seattle area. Um, and this is in the early 70s. And um, she was friends with this guy, Ted Bundy. They met while working together on a uh, crisis hotline, which is like so it's fucked kind, up. It's kind of perfect, actually. <laughs> well, that's that's like that's a really good place for a sociopath to work, though. Yeah. Apparently, he was really good at talking people out of killing themselves. And she was volunteering there because she lost her brother um to suicide when he was around the same age that Ted was when she met him and I think at some point she says she thinks that's part of why she kind of bonded with him but she was like in her 30s and had a bunch of kids and was going through this divorce and they worked and he was doing it for work study she 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 was in a vulnerable place so vulnerable so uh, that's, that's victimology right there. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. We'll, we'll get to that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That, that, that explains her attraction, I guess. I don't know if you would call it that. Not how she was... in connection with. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because he was like a psychology student or whatever, and she... And so he did it for work study, and they bonded working like late nights answering these calls together or whatever. Um, but then eventually uh, these women and girls started disappearing around the Seattle area and um, surprise surprise spoiler alert it was Ted Bundy who was killing him you just ruined the book for me oh sorry did you miss that part I, just, I didn't read it I just, I'm just coming, <laughs> coming, in, coming in cold for this one <laughs> Like, two weeks ago, he's like, yeah, I finished the book. So, yep, yep. lies. Yeah. 
It's a week and a half ago. <laughs> two weeks. Well, I finished it this afternoon, so it is fresh AF. Champion. Ted ended up in going to... So before he was like a suspect officially in these cases, he uh, moved to Utah for law school and he killed more women there and in Colorado. And then he was finally arrested, um, but then he escaped from prison a couple times. And the second time he went to Florida and killed some more girls. And then uh, finally he was arrested and convicted there and was eventually executed. The end. What like part? I mean, we'll, we'll probably touch on this other places, but it t- it takes her like forever to believe he could actually kind of do this, which I which I sort of get. I mean, it's it's easy with the hindsight is twenty twenty thing to understand that this dude is like a mega creep, but for someone who had that kind of connection with him, I could understand it. And you don't want to believe that about someone you know, generally. I'm moving all my shit over on the table. On the contrary, I would be very quick to believe anyone I know is a murderer. Me, especially, probably. Well, yeah, obviously, but other people as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't want to believe it, but I'd be like, well, but I could see it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm not going to be, like, testifying against them, necessarily, but I would be like, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that as well. I have always, ki- not wanted, but what would it be like to have to testify in a trial? I'm probably mostly shitty, but... You can probably make that happen one way or another. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you want to do the things that would, you know, achieve that end. But Well, no, I don't want to, like, have to be defending myself. I just want to be a witness. Well, you just have to drive someone else to commit some heinous crime. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, you know, I mean, if, if you want that moment in the spotlight, you got to put in a little, little elbow grease, bro. I guess... So, very early on, this is in Roman numeral pages, XXXII, if you will. Sure. Uh, Sorry, that's my drink. It's mentioned that uh, Ted Bundy describes his favorite color. Yeah. And his favorite color is cyanotic blue, which is the color that uh, people turn when they're asphyxiating and dying. <laughs> and so that's his favorite color, like their fingernails and stuff, fingernails and lips turn that color when what you're is- sort of... You can't creep. breathe anymore, which is kind of awesome in its own way, but I mean, independent of what results in that color. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's like a hipster color choice. <laughs> oh, I'm only into death colors. What I think is kind of, uh, that stuck out to me is that um, I can't remember, because you know, obviously I've heard of Ted Bundy before. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I'm try- trying to remember where I get these details, but I do think she mentions in passing, at least, and I, and it's implied by the fact that he used dump sites for multiple bodies, mm-hmm. um, that he goes back and visits the bodies. Oh, he, he visits them. But, yeah, but it's not until the, like, one of the very last like update forwards because there's like it was originally written in 1980 but there have been like a ton of like reissues with like additional epilogues and stuff like when he was appealing his death sentence and blah 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 but at some point she finally she actually talks about like him going back to the bodies and like putting makeup on them and shit and obviously fucking them but i feel like that's not atypical i mean i've read a fuck ton of green river stuff and he did that 
I feel like I knew that about him. Went back and like vis- visited them to the point where like the bodies were starting to decompose, and then would like uh, call it off. Uh, <laughs> fun fact: um, my friends, Isaac knows a story, but this is for everyone else. Uh, my friends aunt and uncle bought a sheep farm in Wisconsin and we went there once um, at like Thanksgiving or something and they were telling us a story of um, how when they bought it the previous owners told them that there was a man who liked to quote visit the sheep um, and they caught him once and visiting means fucking he was he's interfering with the sheep yeah he was he was a sheep raper Anyway, Ted definitely visited his victims' bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's but just she doesn't. Like, she didn't power really control thing. I think. Yeah. And you want to, and you want to, and they are special to you, and you want to like sustain that connection as long as you can, I suppose. Well, it's possible she didn't have those details when she first wrote the book, or maybe she just didn't want to get into that. Well, and I think too, it's it sounds like, if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of stuff where he gave more sort of background and detail and stuff in Florida as he was, like, sort of creeping towards his actual execution. Like, he's trying to give details and stuff yeah. to save his life. And so I feel like that's something that could have come out then. Yeah. That, like, maybe it was rumored, but he sort of confirmed it, at least in some cases. And that was enough for her to, like, believe rumors or something. Well, stuff and the only heard. trials there were were the Florida trials, and those were, the bodies were found immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not the little girl, but the like the Chi Omega house ones. Oh yeah, because she just left them. Yeah. So those were and those were different. Those were the <coughs> break in a break in one, whereas most of his crimes in Washington were ones where he like lured abductions. Or, yeah. Yeah, abducted the women. Well, and in a lot of the Washington ones, they just never found a body either. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. I mean, you can more or less assume that he is responsible for them and he can claim them, but it's difficult to try someone for that. Yeah. Without physical evidence. Yeah. And I guess they figure, you know, alright, these are the ones the best chance of getting something to stick and it's maybe not super satisfying for the families to not have their specific daughter's death be the source of his suffering or death or whatever, but as long as someone gets him there I guess it's fine. Yeah. Well, and they did, the cases were kind of shaky in Colorado and Utah, and even in Washington, because there was, he rarely left physical evidence. Well, yeah, it was a lot of circumstantial stuff mm-hmm. that might have worked just because of the, like, amount of it, but yeah. that's, you, you don't want to take that chance and get a mistrial or get uh, uh, him found not guilty, and then you're fucked. Well, in Florida, I wasn't going to give him up. No. They like uh, they like frying them down there. <laughs> well, and also, as, as we know from stories about Florida men. <laughs> well, Anne talks about too how um, she Anne? we on a first name basis. Anne <laughs> Rule, okay, Ms. Rule, all right, talks about how if you're nasty, uh, <laughs> and I am. She, oh, she wonders if like there is some sort of uh, maybe subconscious like death wish that Ted had because when he escaped from prison in Colorado the second time he he ended up in like he went to Chicago and then like Ann Arbor and then he ended up in Florida even though Florida was like notorious for the death penalty um 
especially at that time, but still, even in the Deep South, that's where they, they like the death penalty. But well, I feel like why would he go there and commit crimes um, when he could possibly have gotten off, but definitely not executed in these other states? Well, I feel like if I'm remembering correctly from my research for our sociology class debate about the death penalty, mm-hmm. fall 1999, <laughs> uh, that... That's one of the arguments sort of against... Was that, that was in high school? Yeah. It was my senior year sociology class where we watched Helter Skelter, oh. which was awesome. Uh, even though it was like the baseball coach class, so it was like kind of half-assed. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but that was one of the sort of arguments against the death penalty is that people will cross state lines into death penalty states, and so it's not a deterrent in that way. Because theoretically it's, oh, okay, well, you know, you're going to get killed, so you won't commit these crimes, but people are actively crossing state lines to go into states where they're going to get killed versus a state that doesn't have the death penalty. And so that's an argument against it as a deterrent effect. Wait, they do that because they want to be executed? Either they want to be executed or they just don't care. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of seems like, and I don't know, I mean, she does a lot of psychoanalyzing and He's a pathological liar, so sure, like sure, sure, sure. it's hard to really say for sure. But it kind of doesn't seem like. I mean, obviously he got a thrill out of it, and like it was some a compulsion that he couldn't control. But I don't know that he like liked doing it. No, I think the compulsion thing is more like. He, I well, I think it, it. I don't think it made him feel good. He sort of talks about it towards the end, um, and it's just like it's the, he gets in this state where it's a thing he has to do. And then he's all right for a little while. And it's more sort of like a relieving the tension obsession kind of thing rather than like this is something he really enjoys. I yeah. mean, that's, that's a mild cop-out to be like, oh, I'm in a different state of mind. I don't know what I'm doing or I don't... Blah, 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 whatever. But I, I buy that to a certain degree that it's not like he's sitting at home like enjoying his uh, his triumph over these victims. It's just that like this is the thing he had to do. Yeah. And it... it becomes more apparent, I think, with the Florida stuff, where he's just being super reckless. Right. They were messy, and it was like a, yeah, it was like a frenzy. I also had something marked in the uh, Roman Nooms. Okay. Uh, page uh, 37, XXXVII. Okay. Um, she goes, she has some, like, FAQs, basically, of, like, this is just for the 2008 forward. Mm-hmm. She calls it the last chapter. She's like, I'm not writing any more fucking epilogues yeah, for this she totally book. Yeah, uh, She's dead now. Doesn't mean she can't ghost write them. Ha ha! Because it's like, <laughs> someone, someone else writes for you. <laughs> if Anne Rule wants to communicate with a medium and give us more updates about what Ted Bundy's up to on the other side, I would love to hear it. Probably sleazy stuff. The sleaziest. Just hanging out with uh, Excuse me. fire demons. Yeah. But one of the uh, frequently asked questions was, were you in love with Ted Bundy? And, uh, which I just think is interesting that a lot of people asked for that because it seemed like so many women were. And she says, no, she wasn't. Well, I see it. I mean, you were making the brother thing before. I see it more like that. Mm-hmm. That he was like a, a close friend slash like brother, kind of. That she doesn't want to like have like a relationship with him, but he's a close friend. Yeah. And they have this sort of emotional bond for a number of reasons. I thought that I wrote it down. Oh, page 34, she says, when she's talking about, like, when they were, the time when they were working together and were really good friends. And, um, 
she says, as far as his appeal for women, I can remember thinking that if I were younger and single, or if my daughters were older, this would be almost the perfect man. Could I bring in another another note from that page? Yes, please. Uh, page 34 at the top. Mm-hmm. She describes him as being, uh, well, she talks about his, his musculature. Yeah. And describes him as being whipcord tough, which is like textbook skinny ripped. So, yeah. I mean, he's, maybe she's into that. Some people are into that for some reason. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm into real beefy dudes. Yep. So beefy. So, sorry, we're getting divorced. But that's one of those, Unless like, you can beef up. borderline attraction kinds of things. Although that's, like, an abstract attraction. Like, she understands why people would be into him. Right. But she herself is not into him. Well, yeah, I mean, you can do that with somebody that you're not, like, you don't want to fuck them, but you're like, oh. No, impossible. He or she has a nice body. I want to fuck everyone, but only if we sign a contract first. So. Well, we have to debate the contract back and forth several times. This is why your dad wanted us to get a prenup. <laughs> they have family riches, man. Yeah, hard and soft limits or whatever. So many chunks of silver. Oh, man. <laughs> mm. Something I do think interesting is the description of Ted's kind of particular accent. Oh, the, like, weird, like, english The kind weird, of thing. like, semi-English. Yeah. Uh, 29. His voice is a strange mixture of a slightly western drawl and the precise clipped phraseology of an English accent. I might describe it as courtly. Well, and like, well, I mean, he, he would be into that, like, chivalry bullshit in a certain way. Um, to me, not that it's a thing that you could control or it's a thing that you'd have to try really hard to control... But I know in, like, several of the sort of instances where there are eyewitness accounts, so at the lake or, um, you know, atten- attempted abductions or whatever, people remark on the accent. Like, that's a thing that was, like, a telltale for mm-hmm. him. Like, would you not try to disguise that a little bit or do something with it? And I guess he thought he was, like, you know, immune. Yeah. But he was so clever that it wouldn't matter. But uh, Yeah, I think it was, a like, a narcissistic thing. And I think that was clearly a cultivated thing. Because oh, yeah. he grew up in fucking Tacoma, Washington, where people have neither Western drawls nor <laughs> English accents. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely an affectation, but it just seems like if it's an affectation, couldn't you turn it off in moments where you don't want to be descript? But I don't know. I'm not sure that he was that aware of his own, like... I, I don't know. I don't know if he's that self-aware... Like, realizing how fake that is. Like, because he has to pretend to be a person. Yeah. But I would think if you're... It's part of the whole facade of I'm a human with empathy, and also I talk this way. But I would think, like, if that's all a construction, then you you couldn't not be conscious of it. Because you're constructing all of these things. Or, yeah, or maybe he just didn't realize that it stood out that much. He gets deep enough into it. I think it's probably just he thought he was too clever. Yeah, no, I do think that's part of it, too. People people wouldn't notice. He's so good at what he's doing. No one will ever suspect the dude with the broken arm or the crutch or whatever. Yeah. Um, I will say, the accent comes up another time. Uh, A witness had overheard him talking to Janice Ott, who's one of the women who was killed that day. uh, So they underwent... Uh, hypnosis so that they can remember more and they Which remember. I'm, I'm surprised is like admissible. 
Right. I guess in the 70s, maybe. But right, but even he brought that up later and was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Because that's highly suggestible, I think. Yeah. But the witness mentioned the accent, yes, slightly English. Yes, he'd spoken of playing racquetball while he chatted with Janice Ott. Well, and he also uses his name. He says yeah. Ted. Yeah. How arrogant do you have? Arrogant or stupid or both? Yeah. Do you have to be to use your own name? Come on. But with the accent and the racquetball thing, it made me think of that episode of Lady Dynamite where uh, Maria goes to oh, the, she's doing the, the dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> she does the Diane voice. <laughs> she tells a story about playing tennis with the Kennedy girl. Anyway, you should watch that. Was she like a like a Harvard Lady Bobcat? Which yeah. is totally not their mascot. <laughs> Harvard Lady Bobcat. Class of I'll Never Tell. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> anyway, that was one of my most important impressions out of coming out of this book, I think. Yeah, okay. so. good, good, good. Well, this is discussing um, his background. So where, what are his parents, whatever, and there's like this mystery around What who, are his parents? Who, who his dad was I still kind of like the theory that his dad was his grandpa. I think that seems it's not as impossible. likely as anything else. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely possible, especially given how they well, I mean unwed pregnancy during the time period would have been treated that way anyway, but the fact that she was sent to a home for unwed mothers, like, away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was yeah. the 40s. I think that's what was done. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm saying it's pretty standard, but that would also be additional kind of impetus to do it if it seemed like it was, like, an ancestral kind of thing. But it's also interesting that there was never any effort to find the father, so I don't know. Yeah. If it wasn't her dad, was it another rapist? Well, it was on page 8, quote, a sailor, which... Obviously. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going from here. <laughs> Seaman? Yes. Mm. Uh, what I kind of loved was, um, especially in those early days, so in the early 70s, that Ted was, like, really active in the local Republican Party, and he had his hair cut short, and he was clean-shaven, unlike like everyone else mm-hmm. who was in college at that time, and... Um, just like hated student protests like yeah vehemently. it was really really anti-protest which i thought was interesting but uh, also just lends credence to the fact that all republicans are serial killers that's a fact especially my family members yeah for sure <laughs> if, if not actively there's the potential sure there. sure just you know ticking time they bombs. seem like nice mormon people but that's how they get you well he was a pseudo mormon yeah he was he did that I so. think that he converted because everybody there is Mormon, and probably just makes it you know easier. how many fucking chicks you can get if you're uh, like a charming single dude. So and, much Mormon tale. And the, the girls are all like, oh, "I want to get married and have seventy nine babies." Yep, yep, yep. He's real on a man. Although speaking of my parents, um, <laughs> I did uh, ask them because my mom is from the Seattle area. And my dad grew up in Utah. Bremerton? Bremerton. So other side of the sound, but um, they used to go into Seattle um, and get hit on by drunk sailors. Like you do. On the ferry. Um, But the year he was especially active, like 74, she uh, was living at home, going to community college for a year. Um, and then she transferred to BYU about the same time that Ted moved to Utah. Coincidence? And she had long brown hair. I believe she parted it in the middle. So what you're saying is your mom is likely responsible for some of the murders attributed to Ted And she's also a victim. 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's, you, know, you would never expect the stereotypical <laughs> victim. Well, and one of the bodies was found in... One of the Utah bodies was found in American Fort Canyon. And American Fort... your dad's from, isn't Is it? my dad's yeah. hometown. Yeah, yeah. yeah and... Uh, they, I asked them about it the other night when I talked to them what they remembered, and they didn't remember much. They just remember there were cases of murders and um, that they were unsolved for a while. And then I guess they didn't pay that much attention to murder news because, you know, they're not me, I guess. That's dumb. I was disappointed but unsurprised, which I guess is how they feel about my life choices. So. <laughs> Well done. Well done. <laughs> These facts brought to you by this vodka and energy drink I'm drinking. I want to talk about Stephanie because I think she's kind of one of the most important figures. Is the best part. Also his like that long play to just like dump her after they're like engaged and he's become the perfect man for her is amazing in an abstract kind of way. So if you don't know the story Stephanie is uh, this girl that he dated when they were both undergrads. She was like a year older than him, and she was beautiful, had long, dark hair, parted in the middle, and she came, came from, from this rich California family. family. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he was, you know, was in love with her and really was interested in that kind of, like, status and the fact that she was hot. And was clearly, clearly out of his depth in that situation, but was trying. Yeah. And, like, you know, she loved him or whatever, but then she graduated and moved back to California, and he and she broke up with him because she wasn't going to, like, get married to him or whatever, and also they're, like, 12 or, like, 21, same thing. Um, and he was fucking devastated and enraged, and basically uh, the majority of the victims bore a striking resemblance to her after that. Killing so many Stephanies. See, I don't know whether that would be like... I don't know if flattering is the right word. But yeah. like, that, that's a weird sort of like devotion tribute kind of thing that he's like so obsessed with her to the point that he like wants to eradicate her over and over again. Uh, although, I mean, there is evidence that there, or at least speculation that there were earlier victims. Yeah, but this but like the, the murders didn't that. really start until after that. Yeah, but so at some point after they broke up and he was still at UW, he met this woman who, um, Anne Rule calls Meg. That's yeah. not her real name. I think eventually she gives her real name towards the end, but that's not yeah. important for our purposes. But so this woman Meg, who had she was like a recently divorced young single mom she had a little girl she moved up from utah and to hang out with friends and just start over and she so they were in a relationship together and it was pretty serious uh on the surface but he was going around fucking other women and also murdering them um but so while he was still with meg he i think this is like the like the winter of 73 or something. So it's like four years after they broke up or something. And he's now like, he's graduated from college. He's been accepted to law school. He's been working for the Republican party and like hobnobbing with the governor and all this shit. And, um, 
he he's in Sacramento for um, some Republican business, and you know gets in touch with Stephanie because they had kind of kept in touch over the years occasionally, and then he basically like woos her back, and they get like at least verbally they are engaged, and then. At that, t- even at that time, so she they were hanging out and she visited him another time, and then she was spending Christmas, I think, in like Vancouver, BC. In the meantime, he's at the crisis hotline, like Christmas party, where he introduces Anne to Meg, mm-hmm. his actual quote unquote actual girlfriend, and then uh, Stephanie comes back to Seattle so that they can like talk about their wedding plans and shit. And Ted just kind of, like, blows her off. Well, he blows her off and then just, like, totally ghosts her after that, which is, again, amazing in abstract terms. Yeah, so he totally just, like, revenge dumps her. Just, like, flips the switch on that, done. Uh-huh. But, you know, bullet dodged on her part, so. Oh, yeah, no. Obviously, in hindsight, best yeah. thing, but. And she was married to someone else by the next Christmas, so. Yeah, she got, she got over that pretty quickly. Yeah. But. A yeah, no, just, up. just the long game there. It's, I mean, that's a revenge fantasy that I think a lot of people have. Right, 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 right. Well, yeah, few, few are, are sociopathic enough to pull it off, so... Right. Kudos for that, I guess. Yeah. So that's the deal with Stephanie. Yeah. Every time you say Stephanie, it just makes me think of um, Short Circuit. <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> Johnny Five. Johnny alive. Five is alive. Exactly. <laughs> best, best movie of the last half century. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what my it's favorite a, part is. It's a bold claim. But the robot, the sexism, the 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 brown face of Fisher Stevens. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts happening Ooh. there. Go see it, guys. Yeah. It doesn't age well, but it's a, still amazing. Well, can we can we talk about his poetry? Yes. First of all, this is something that needs to be discussed. Yes, and I plan. I I that's like the one thing I marked. I put a little. I mean, there are other things I'm skipping over that are less important, but the poetry is something we need to hit. Unicorn sticky note in that here. That has to happen. Because I think we need to do a dramatic reading. <laughs> Some of this shit. So, like, I can't say I'm surprised that he would be a like pseudo poet. He seems like he's got that sort of like. Well, this is this is the chival the chivalry side of him. He wants to be like some like heroic poet, some garbage like that. This is this is when he's in prison. He's in jail in Salt Lake. Yeah. So, he's so this is the first because he, he this is after he got picked up for basically lurking and being a creep. Yeah, just being in the wrong in neighborhood and having like burglary tools in his car. And then burglary they were able to murder tools connect him to the um, the Carol DeRanche case. Yeah, and Carol abduct- DeRanche is a badass. Abduction and uh, yeah, no, I mean she She's one of his survi- one of the, the few surviving victims. Well, and I feel like had Florida never happened she would have been it. Like she would have been their case. Yeah. Basically. And she still testifies in Florida as background but mm-hmm. like she's really the only person who he picked up who survived. Yeah. He pretended to be a cop and Officer like, Officer Roseland. Officer Roseland and basically like 
coerced her kind of into his car and then attack and attacked her but wasn't able to get the handcuffs on and she fought him off and they even fought outside the car but she was able to get away um so she's a badass uh, not that the victims aren't badasses too, I'm sure. Sure, Many sure, of them sure, were, sure. But um, it's pretty hardcore because uh, she's one whose badassery we can document. Right, because the other ones didn't survive, so we didn't. They didn't get to live out their badassery. Yep. Um. Oh, but so that's the one case. So they got him on the burglary tools. Yeah. And. They, and then they were able to connect him to that case, and so he was in jail there. Well, they were holding him on that and trying to connect him to the actual murders, but that was mm-hmm. the only thing they specifically had on him. Right. Well, and they recognized his name because um, a friend of Meg's had convinced her that she needed... That the Ted guy, who had been active in Washington, and then a similar case that showed up in Utah at, after he moved down there, was... Could have been her Ted. Yeah. And so Meg actually did call the police down in Salt Lake and try to tell them. And so the fact that she did call meant that they were able to connect his name with these cases after he was picked up for the burglary thing. Sorry, poetry. Yeah, yeah, so poetry. He's writing poetry so in his letters in, to Anne. Which is horrific. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll we'll hold honestly admit to being the author of terrible poetry in my time. However, I don't think anything this bad. <laughs> and also just like, it's like, we, we talked about this before, he acts like he's like the first person who's ever been in prison. Yeah. Like, bro, bro, first of all, you're in like a pretty decent, like, county jail or something. It's like not even like a hardcore institution that he's in. That's like, hey, if you don't, well... If you don't want to be in jail, stop murdering people. So there's, you know, step, step one. Step one. Step one. Yeah. But I don't. Know, do you want to? Do you want to do a, a selection? Okay, I'm the, happy to read from some the collected of works of Theodore Bundy. Some Theodore Robert Bundy poetry. Um, here's a little. Here's a little. Just a three-liner. It's called "Nights of Days." This is no way to be. Man ought to be free. That man should be me <laughs> it's like bad, bad does not fully uh. <laughs> adequately describe it yeah it's just like aggressively bad um there's some like Jesus crap uh, but that's boring yeah here's the other one here's a, uh, a, a supposedly humorous poem <laughs> And Anne Rule talks about his, like, sense of humor. And, like, I can see when she points it out that he's making a joke, but they're not funny. Well, and I feel like, you know, with the sociopathy thing, it would be like... Like someone trying to act like a human being telling a joke, so the delivery is going to be weird. Mm-hmm. And, like, the the raw materials and all the, all the important elements of the joke are there, but it just, like, does not exist in joke form. <laughs> or she just has a terrible sense of humor. Well, that's possible. Possibly both. So, uh, he really hates the food in jail. He has a lot of complaints about everything, but the food especially. So here's one. It makes me feel blue taking food from the animals in the zoo. Pork chops tonight. 
Jews are uptight. Sidebar, WTF. What's the pork saying, man? I gave mine away. It still has a tail. And as for dessert, the cook, that old flirt, surprised us with mellow peach jello. He's got a hang up about the jello thing as well. I mean, the rhyme scheme has problems. The meter is off, among other problems. Yeah, I mean, technical concerns are secondary. Did you diagram this poem? No, you could not. And it's not free verse. I don't want to. No. Free verse might actually demonstrate some sort of poetic sensibility. Right. No, he wouldn't be able to handle free verse. He can't control that. It's a man of structure. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's awful, though. She is... Anne Rule has the, the patience of a saint for putting up with that stuff. Yeah. Reading those letters, responding to them all the time. Well, because at this time, she still wasn't sure. She didn't want to believe it. But she was also she like, hey, like Ted, a... you know I'm writing a book about these victims. So so she was kind of ambivalent. Well, he's pretty... He, up until sort of the end, is very like conciliatory about that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, tell you, I totally understand, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, that's probably the sociopath side of it, and him also thinking, like, she doesn't believe it, let me encourage her non-belief. Yeah. Well, and she talks about him being a sociopath, and or a psychopath, I guess, is the the proper term now that we would uh, use. But like sociopath. We're using them interchangeably, but we understand that the diagnosis is not, whatever. We're, we're laypersons. Oh, but she thought that that was a sign of him, like, being a psychopath, basically, that he was able to forgive Meg so easily for reporting him to the police. Yeah. Because he, she gave him emotional support that he needed. Like, he needed someone to, like, love and worship him. But I'm also not thoroughly convinced that he really valued her as such. There are moments when he he makes it seem like she's important to him. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like they're sort of sporadic that she's useful to him and so that's why he cares about her that's why he's connected to her yeah no i mean i everybody and everything is is has to be useful to him or else yeah. you know he gets rid of them i'm just like i'm not sure what depth of actual feeling there is there oh yeah no i'm not saying he like loved her i don't yeah. think no, that he's he not can capable love. of that in the no. traditional sense but but i think she was useful to him and um I don't know, from what I understand, she was a little kind of similar to his mom. That makes sense that he'd be into his mom. Um, who was also devoted to him and didn't want to believe it. And it was interesting that early on, when the disappearances were happening in the Pacific Northwest, especially after the, the uh, Lake Sammamish disappearances, and the fact that there were witnesses saying there was a guy calling himself Ted... And that he had this, like, light-colored VW bug that, and there was, like, and were there, I think there were composite sketches, but. Yeah, not not super accurate, but there was a composite. Right. Um, but that Anne Rule herself was, like, could it be Ted Bundy, my friend? But just, like, dismissed it. Okay. Yeah. Well, she did end up basically trying to find out if he had a car. Yeah. And found out it was a VW and told that cop she talked to that. She didn't think it could be him, but she knew a guy who fit the description, who had well, who had that car. This is another thing, like, using your own name is stupid. It's extremely stupid. Um, using your own car, 
also incredibly stupid. Yeah. Like, later on, I think at least in the Florida moments, it's, like, suggested that he knows how to steal cars. Yeah. Like, he can do that. So Well, like, he stole cars when he was a teenager. Yeah, so, like, why would you not do that? Why would you take an obviously traceable vehicle? I mean, I guess if you're taking a stolen vehicle, there's an off chance you could get pulled over, depending how quickly it's reported. Yeah. But, I mean, otherwise someone gets the plate and you're screwed. I don't know. I mean, it just didn't happen. Again, the arrogance thing, I suppose. The arrogance, and also he was getting away with it. Well, and I think partly, I don't remember where it is, at what moment, but, like, they say basically that that's a super common car. Yeah. Especially in those in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you can fly under the radar pretty, pretty well by... So, unless someone gets the actual plate, if it's just, a, you know, a, a light-colored VW, that's not going to nail you. Or it gives him plausible deniability, at least, so he can sort of wriggle out of it. But that, um, it comes up later in the Colorado stuff, but, like, credit card records is incredibly stupid. Yeah. He was using credit cards to buy gas. Yeah. Like, pay with cash and no one can put you in those locations. Mm -hmm. Even though putting them in those locations wasn't enough to get a conviction, it's enough to generate plenty of suspicion and make him look like a likely suspect of something Yeah, else. they were able to tie him to those yeah, to, to those locations at those times. Yeah. That's like that I feel like that's not that much planning. I mean uh well that was before he was using was that was that when he was using stolen credit cards or was that his own at that point? I think they were his own gas cards cuz they were able to trace them to him. Okay. I think when he was in Florida that's what he did, is he just stole credit cards. Yeah. Oh, to live on when he first got there and had, like, way less money than he actually needed to survive for a while. Well, and apparently in the 70s, women just left their purses and their shopping carts and wandered off in the grocery store. It happens. I've seen it happen. So, I mean, I think it's less likely now because people are more sort of aware of that, but it's not... But I think also, I don't know, now it's a lot easier to cancel a card quickly. Yeah. I feel like then it was probably harder, so he would be able to get away with it for a while. Uh, here's a brief reference that we talked about in passing uh, the other day. Oh, is this what I think it is? Um, so, um, this is after... Um, so this is right when Ted uh, escaped from, from jail in Colorado the second time. And Ann Rule was working on a movie script and, and living in Hollywood for a few months. And um, and then the FBI gets in touch with her and is like, if Ted tries to get in touch with you, like, yeah, like, tell us. And she says, this is on 313, all of it was unreal. Only a few years before I had been, if there is such a creature, a typical housewife, a brownie leader. Now I was off to Hollywood to write a movie with the FBI waiting for me. I felt as if I belonged in an episode of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. <laughs> so good. That brings joy to my heart just to see that. Guys, if you've never seen Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, it is bananas. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Bananas. I think that's one of the best things I've ever used in class. The <laughs> students were just really confused. Well, that's how you was, feel when you watch it. Whether it was supposed to be funny or... I mean, the episode we were watching worked pretty well for what we were talking about because it was sort of about gender roles and uh, expectations and stuff like that. Um, 
but it's just like you're never quite sure if it's supposed to be a joke. Yeah. Uh, it is. A, it, it's not clear. I'm glad there's not a laugh track. I hate laugh tracks. Yeah. So I'm glad that there's not. But like, without obvious cues, people are just like adrift and don't know how to process well, it. Because the tone is very confusing. Well, it's like soap opera y, sort of. But it's also kind of a parody of soap operas. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's intended as a parody, I think. But yeah, it's weird. Look it, look it up. There's, yeah. There's, well, there's the like three disc box that I have, and then you can get the complete. Uh, it was on for years. No, it was only on for like a couple of years, was but it, it was it was like a five day a week. Yeah, there it was like on three hundred yeah. episodes. Yeah, so that's what I mean. There's a ton of episodes. Yeah. But. Anyway, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, shout out. When uh, Anne Rule and others are sort of pitching uh, their understandings of what serial killers are mm-hmm. and how serial killers act and based behaviors and stuff, um, Ted is, I, I called it serial splaining. <laughs> where he's like, no, 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 bro, you got it all wrong. And like, he's the only person who can possibly explain this, mm-hmm. which to one degree I get, you know, from, from serial killer, they can offer potential insight to this. And it talked about like him sort of offering his services in the Green River case um, because yeah. they thought he'd have some sort of insight to offer. But, like, that's also sort of operating on the premise that all serial killers are the same. Yeah. Or have the same basic sort of starting point, which I feel like is not really the case, at least in some that I've read of. I mean, there may be overlap in some specific sort of traits or approaches or things like that, but I feel yeah. like him being, you know, sort of the master of this and being able to explain it to everyone is, like, not... Also, like, how awesome a serial killer are you if you get caught relatively easily there and by being super reckless at the end? Yeah. Ted. I mean, previous to that, like, the Washington ones and even to a lesser degree the Utah ones and Colorado ones, like, that's that's solid serial murder. Mm-hmm. He's, he's doing a pretty decent job of it, evading suspicion for the most part. Um, I also feel like that it's later on when he's sort of taught, when there's kind of interrogating him after the Florida stuff where he talks about like adding a digit to his death toll Mm -hmm. and like suggested that he killed like a hundred plus people Mm -hmm. which I kind of doubt yeah I don't know I think it I think it certainly could be many more than the like 35 or whatever Uh, yeah I I could see him him. having killed like 50 people or something like that that seems plausible to me that there are others that haven't been attributed to him and they she rule talks about others later on that sort of fit his pattern and places where he could have potentially been well he might have killed that little girl when he was like 15 yeah um he denies it but you can't fucking trust a word he says so the green river killer who uh stabbed a kid when he was like a teenager mm-hmm. he lured this little kid like to the woods or something and stabbed him Mm-hmm. Um, and like told the kid like he wanted to feel what it felt like to kill someone. Um, kid survived. Yeah. And couldn't ID him. Yeah. But that was like decade or so at least before he started doing like actual murders. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it seems entirely plausible to me that he could have done that one. Yeah. The evidence is pretty shaky, but it's not out of the question. Yeah. And I feel like that's true in a lot of cases that there are you know sort of halting first efforts. Uh, that, you know, after the facts are seen as signs or whatever, but in in the moment. And know. there were some early attacks, like the basement apartments by UW, where they weren't murdered. Yeah. But they were, like, they were, like, beaten and raped or whatever. It's his MO, yeah. Yeah. And it's him sort of, I don't know, with the training wheels on. Mm-hmm. 
maybe sort of figuring out what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Uh, but yeah, the ser the serial explaining thing I found sort of problematic, <laughs> where he just like has to get on his like murder high horse and explain things to people, um, which I, I don't even know how much insight he has into his own psyche. I don't think he has much. That's much the less thing. other serial killers. I don't. I think that he's got a carefully constructed facade, but he's not very aware of what's underneath it because he just wants to cover well, that up. Well, there's nothing underneath it. Well, it's just murder. Yeah. Just layers and layers of murder. I mean, there is that fucked up knife story. Yeah, we need, that's one of the ones I wanted to mention <laughs> as well. But the, kni the knife thing is kind of amazing, but also, like, terrifying. Yeah. Because he's, he's three years old, and uh, this is, you know, sort of one of those why didn't we see the signs kind of things. But, like... When they were still living with his grandparents who were pretending to be his actual parents. Yeah. So this is before they move out to... To Tacoma. Tacoma. Um, this is like... Yeah, so he's three years old, and he... Is she taking a nap? Is that what it is? Yeah. I th yeah, his aunt, who was like a teenager at the time, was taking a nap. So she's taking a nap, and then she uh, wakes up, and placed carefully around her are, like, all the knives in the house, like, from the kitchen, wherever. Uh, and then, like, little smiling Ted Bundy. <laughs> it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, like, there's there's a certain amount of just, like, weird tiny kid mischievousness that you can, you know, overlook. That is That's troubling creepy. to me. I mean, at least he didn't stab her, so there's that. Yeah. But, uh, but there's the whole thing about how he, like, idolized his grandfather and stuff, but it turns out his grandpa was, was like, actually... super abusive. Like, an alcoholic, abusive jerk, yeah. Well, so that's either... Who maybe raped his mom. Well, either a source of trauma for him, potentially, that he didn't identify or didn't appreciate or didn't see that he was part of that household that was messed up. Mm -hmm. Or if that's his sort of, like, male role model in the absence of a, a father or something like that. Yeah. That that's... I mean, if he treats... Because it was suggested that he beat his wife, right? His grandpa did beat his grandma. He, I think so. Yeah, and so if, if that's the model for how you treat women, it's not surprising that he would take it in a violent direction later on, I don't think. Right. Well, and that trauma of even if he wasn't physically or or emotionally abused by his grandpa, witnessing that abuse like is traumatizing, especially to a very young child. Sure, 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 sure. And, and the, when your brain's developing like that, it can fuck you up. Well, and then there's that, and then what he identifies as a trauma of being sort of taken away from his grandpa when they mm -hmm. moved out west. That he was like the one family member that, that Ted liked. And now he's sort of out on his own, has to start over in a new place. Um, and didn't really know for sure until he was an adult that his mom was his biological mother. Right. And not right, right, his right. older sister. Right. But, I mean, it does sound like his mom married a decent dude and then had a bunch more kids and they're all presumably relatively normal yeah um no which which is additional sort of proof for that being the source of whatever right his early childhood when they still lived in among Pennsylvania. other things i mean i, I think one well, also she left him at that the like unwed mother's home, home for like a home. couple months yeah when she was sort of trying to decide what to do with him where he which probably didn't probably get, he's like, too young to remember but it's not well yeah he was a newborn baby but like if you're not held enough and yeah, stuff when that. you're when you're a baby then like that can cause you like developmental and emotional problems yeah it's kind of like the ted kaczynski thing or when he was he was like really little and he got sent away because he was sick or whatever 
like I mean I might not be like the cause but so this is like right at the end when he's in Florida he's about to be executed and there are lots of sort of you know false starts on that where he's on death row there's a date set he gets close and then he gets a reprieve from the governor mm -hmm. um, his lawyers file endless appeals like you do which you know you should be able to I think yeah uh, because there are lots of sort of wrongful convictions and stuff like that which is not to suggest that his is obviously he did these things um, and the number of times he sort of suggests that he had like crappy counsel when he's his own lawyer and yeah. constantly undermines Ugh. his lawyer's efforts to defend him is pretty gross yeah there's like ex well sh she went to the trial in miami that's where they had to hold it um and or like the trial for the chi omegas or whatever mm -hmm. um so there's extensive coverage of the trial and it's not interesting <laughs> yeah um but yeah he kept insisting on being his own lawyer because he'd gone to like two years of law school or whatever and like kept like firing his public defenders and shit and it was ridiculous how would, how would that feel as a public defender? Like, I mean, you know you're probably getting crap cases, but if you're a public defender, you know, a couple of years out of law school or whatever, and you get fucking Ted Bundy as your client, it's a nightmare. But <laughs> You do the best you can. I mean, I guess theoretically you could sort of make a name on that if you're good at it, but I don't know how... I mean, no one really stuck for the most part. Yeah. But anyway, so he's... He's facing, like, proper execution this time. Like, it seems like he's sort of out of appeals. The governor doesn't care anymore. And, like, he's really doing this. So in the last days, weeks, um, he's, you know, trying to sort of bait people with information about, I can tell you the whereabouts of your loved ones. You know, if you cut me deal, don't kill me or whatever. Yeah, he talked to that detective from Seattle. Yeah. And, and confessed. To some stuff. To Not some everything, stuff. but yeah, he's he more information than stuff. he had given previously. Yeah. Um, but then, his, Dobson's the only interview he specifically gives, right, from yeah. a journalist? Mm -hmm. Journalist, pseudo-journalist, whatever. Uh, yeah, he pretended to find Jesus. Yeah, like you do, I think. But And agreed to be interviewed by Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family. Yep, 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 yep. Well, yeah, and that, so it's not only the pretending to find religion thing, but then giving this very, like... This is like the Stereo day before he was executed. Stereotypical sort of explanation, like what what people want someone to say in that situation. That oh, it's, you know, it's pornography and alcohol that made me the way I am. Because both of these things are horrible, and anyone who's ever had a drink or looked at like a porn mag is obviously a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, that's no, a not, fact. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Literally, but, everyone's a serial right, killer. Right. Well, I mean, you are. You're drinking right now, so. My drink is done, but I'm I'm waiting. So when you have another one, you become a serial killer. Yeah, yep. it's like a yep. vampire kind of yep. thing. Mm -hmm. Well, we read Fifty Shades of Grey, so now we're both serial killers. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, that he would try to like pander like that in the end and go with this obvious thing that like even he doesn't think is true. No. I don't think it's just something that he knows. Like, okay, well, this will cast me in a better light. I mean, I think by then he knows he's out of appeals. He's gonna die. Yeah. But at least he can, I don't know, put a silver lining on it or change how people think about him or talk about him after the fact. When he just wants to control the narrative. And and, and by that point, and that, that was 89 when he was executed. Yep. But Anne Rule, when he was first convicted, she was kind of like, I, she had by, by that time accepted that he was guilty, um, which made her throw up. Uh, but 
was like thought that maybe he was just really mentally ill or something. Yep. Um, but by the end of the eighties, she's like, yeah, and had done done a lot more writing and research about like psychopaths and serial killers, and did all this work with police and lecturing and writing and blah blah blah. She was like pretty well recognized that he was just like manipulating the narrative at that point and had manipulated her and pretty much every especially every woman he'd ever met into giving him what he wanted but another thing about the dobson interview which i thought was fascinating slash mortifying is the number of like ted groupies who after the fact would like send away and order the video so they could watch it so over and over again and like fawn over this dude i do kind of want to watch the um the Mark Harmon like TV movie about him. I'm sure we could find it. I mean, he yeah. is dreamy, Mark Harmon. I mean, there's no denying it. Yeah, how, how much hotter than Ted Bundy? Yeah. Why do you think uh, fucking NCIS has been the most popular show for so long? Uh, because of its amazing writing. Baby boomers. Yeah. Wanted to bone Mark Harmon. My parents watch. Your mom wants to bone Mark Harmon. Not that I'm aware of. Wow, she wouldn't tell you. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> hey, Mom. Why don't, you, why don't you tell me about your various TV actor interests? <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that sort of, like, groupy thing is... Yeah, it's real creepy. Um, kind of messed up. Yeah, I don't understand that. But I guess it's just, like, the, the general sort of attraction to celebrity. And, like, seems a like dangerous, bad powerful boy. Powerful and dangerous, yeah. Yeah. And so if your life is super boring or you crave those things... And you're like, I'm the only one who understands him. I can save him. I can change him. You can't. Can't can't tame the T-Dog. No, you can't. It's not going to happen. You can't now. It's untamable. He's been dead for almost 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a bit. It's a bit. Uh, Yeah, but that's somehow an appropriate kind of ending for him. Lies and more lies. I mean, I'm not, we, we've had this discussion about other people before. I'm not particularly pro-death penalty in general. I'm kind of no. anti-death penalty, but this might be one of those kind of exceptional cases. Right. Well, like, and, and, and Anne Rule even talks about that. Like, if he doesn't get executed, he's going to find a way to escape again. Yeah, like he's good at it. Even when he was on death row, he was like, he got a saw and was like, had sawed some bars. I don't know how far he could have gotten, but he was yeah. still trying. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it's raining outside, and also our neighbor downstairs is very musical. That's a word for it. There's a bit of a concert today. Some, uh, some congas, bongos. There was definitely percussion happening. Some sort of hand drumming. Sometimes there's a trombone. Anyway. It's good times. Um, yeah, I would say overall, I, I was not, I'm not really interested in the court proceedings i'm interested in what happens but like the courtroom drama is not that interesting to me yeah i just want to read about like murdering i will say the the personal connection was interesting yeah i think that's that's yeah i think that gave this a really pretty unique as far as true crime i would say in terms of general detail i think the green river book is better her green river book yeah that book is amazing um but this one is good. It's noteworthy for being, like, the first major sort of popular true crime book in that way. Well, and it was her first book, too. And also just the personal connection. Yeah. And her sort of struggle with dealing with him. And not only did she know this guy, but was, like, still in communication with him throughout a lot of the, mm-hmm. the, a lot of the process, which is a unique insight that you're not yeah. going to get too often. 
And they even wrote a few times, like, in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, they were never really friends again, but... Uh, I mean, once you real once you accept that your friend is a serial killer, it's yeah. probably... If you're not a psychopath, you're probably like, yeah, not so much. It's harsh. Breaking it off, man. No, sorry. If I find out you're a serial killer, like... I mean, I'll be fascinated, but we'll probably be breaking up. Oh, you'll never find out. Well, if you're a good one, <laughs> so you better be a good one. Better be good at hiding your murders. Did I ever tell you about that student email? Or no, it was a... Uh, uh, they had an opportunity to ask questions going into the final exam. Yeah. In one of the big intro classes. And one of the kids asked if I was a serial killer. <laughs> and my, my response... Did you answer it in front of the class? Yeah, I did. I put, I put it in the PowerPoint. Because it was like... This is, this is a good question, because it was mostly just like, okay, here's the stuff that's on the final exam. Other questions, are you a serial killer? And what I told them was, would I tell you if I was? Basically, which I think, like, no, no. self-respecting serial no, killer is going to confess to a class of 150 kids. No. It's stupid. Then you have to kill 150 people. That's all. And anyone they told. Very time-consuming. Yeah, I don't, I don't have time for that. <laughs> but. Well, what are, what are we reading next? We're doing Left Behind next. Okay. We're reading the first book in the the Left Behind series. I I see this as probably a more enjoyable hate read than Fifty Shades of Grey. God, I hope so. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. We also have a website, couplesbookclubcast.blog. And uh, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, which is one of the places you found this podcast to begin with um please on itunes if you would rate review subscribe that would be amazing any other words of wisdom beardo um i'm good i think i spoke my piece (laughs) okay um don't murder people or if you if you do don't get caught yeah don't get caught yeah